California. Hey, this is Mandy. And Echo. And Greg. From Cheek Face. And you're listening to KPCA. Do you own a car or truck that you no longer use? Maybe it's an RV and your camping days are long over. Put that vehicle to good use by donating to the charity that is best at keeping kids safe. Hi, it's Rainy with the Poly Class Foundation. The best thing you can do for children in your community is to donate your vehicle to the Poly Class Foundation. Proceeds from your donations provide social media safety education to middle school children in our region and thousands of child safety kits each year. We also help to promote laws that keep our children safe. And thanks to your support, the Poly Class Foundation has been helping to bring missing children home for over two decades. If you have a vehicle you no longer need, please give us a call. We make donating easy and you'll receive the maximum tax deduction. Call the Poly Class Foundation today at 707-769-1334 or go to polyclass.org. Thanks for your support. Good Friday. I love Fridays. And we're live in the studio. Yes. I love that. We do. And it's just you and me today. I know. We don't have a guest, so I guess we are the guests of the day. Yeah. That would be very entertaining. <laughs> you don't have a guest, and we are the guests. So, but you know, lots happening in town, lots happening in the country. And so there is always a lot to talk about. Yeah, I'm just getting my bearings here. I know. It seems like, I like, it seems like I that. get here on in good time every morning. Uh, but at the last minute, we're like, okay, got to do this, got to do that. Most <laughs> of the Facebook. Well, you know, it, it, well, it, it's interesting. You know, like news changes. And so I always love, you know, like if I'm watching Rachel Maddow or something, you know, they have to completely change their format for the day because big news has just come right. in. Right. Now, we're not quite to that point, but um, there's a lot to talk about anyway. Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing about trying to book ahead is that uh, if we book guests and then something big comes up, like they're going to spend $2 million on an F Street bridge, um, we, we want to have a discussion about that. Exactly. Well, you know, what's interesting is um, last week I attended, there was a meeting on North McDowell from Sunrise Parkway to Corona Road and then from Corona Road to Old Redwood Highway. Yeah, the bumpy road. Well, the, the horrible bumpy road. And so what's interesting is the city is going to be going into phase one and then there'll be a phase two. So phase, well, a few years ago, do you remember when we uh, met with people from the mobile home park and how we rallied and walked all the way up McDowell on a Sunday? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so there was, what, 50 people that participated. And dodging, that, dodging traffic. Dodging traffic. Because there's no sidewalk. And, you know, what we realized, there's no sidewalk. There's a sidewalk, then there's not a sidewalk. There's a sidewalk, then there's not a sidewalk. And then all of a sudden, you have to cross the street because you want to go to the health center. There's no safe 
crossings for the public. You're up by Lagunitas and the Hen House. There's no safe crossings. And so the plan is um, the city is just going to go ahead and resurface the street from Corona to Old Redwood Highway. That's the first plan. Mm-hmm. And and then the second phase is going to be from Sonoma, um, Sunrise Sonoma. Parkway to Corona Road. Um, and other improvements will be on the way, it sounds like. So we're not going to be getting sidewalks. That has not been designed. But yet we did that, what, a year and a half, two years ago almost? It was before COVID. It was before COVID. So it's got to be over two years. Yes. And so we did that walk with 50 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why people aren't hearing that we really want to see the bigger picture and make sure that there are safe sidewalks, safe bike routes. And we are exactly... Where we were a few years ago, the city looking at resurfacing the street but not hearing about the other needs. And then, you know, this goes back to the Measure U, the tax, um, you know, and I am on the Measure U um, committee to review what the city spends. There just isn't the money there. Um, That's an oversight committee. That's the oversight. Measure U is the oversight committee for the Measure U funding. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so basically... I feel as though we're just resurfacing the street and we're not taking care of the safety needs. And that's a little bit disappointing. And then from Sunrise Parkway to Corona, that's phase two. They don't even have funding for that. So safety is a big issue. And I'm a little bit, um, it was a good meeting. I'm really glad that I attended and listened to what people said. A lot of really good um, input. And the input majority was about Safety, safe bike routes, safe sidewalks. Yeah, and so um, you know, there's many times I'm going um, on North McDowell and I see people crossing to the healthcare district. Yeah, and you know, it's four lanes of traffic. You can't see people speeding. So that was a little bit near a fire station and near a fire station. You know, exactly right around a city service is really important. Yeah. yeah. So, anybody want to weigh in on any of this? Um, feel free to do so. We're going to try um, letting callers uh, join us today. Uh, the number here is 707-981-7577. If you want to, if you want to chime in, now is your opportunity. The number again: 707-981-7577. It would be fun to have somebody call in. I'm hoping somebody does, just so we can, like, even have it tested out. Yeah, I just want to see if I know how to operate the phone. <laughs> That's it's been good. a long time since I trained on this board, and uh, phone is not one of the things that I've been using. Well, another interesting article was the Petaluma Residents Await Flood Repair. And this was um, during the Atmos- Atmospheric River mm-hmm. last October, and there was a street east court. Um, there was a lot of damage there. Yeah. And the city, using their, they're actually tapping their risk reserve funds um, because the city is actually, um, their insurance, it's like a grouping of insurances. So you have a lot of um, municipalities that put money into one pot, and that is the insurance. Um, how a, That's what a city uses for insurance. And so that's kind of their risk management and, and it's a risk, risk risk reserve fund. And they're spending... I never even knew that existed. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's always... That's just the way it is with a city. And a lot of cities have these um, yeah. reserve funds yeah. that they can tap into. But this is $750,000. Yeah. 
Um, it's a lot of money, and I believe the city did not open up a valve, and that is why this area flooded. And so now we're paying for an unfortunate mistake. Um, yeah. So, but you know, I hope the the people um, get back in their homes so they can. Yeah, that was an ugly scene on uh, that day. Um, we had that huge torrential rainfall. Um, we have a, a mutual friend who has a, a daughter that lives on East East Court, and um, yeah, it was ugly. Was her house damaged mm-hmm. inside? It was. It was. Okay. Yep, they ended up, you know, because the water came up inside, and so. You know, when that happens, then you've got to remove sheetrock and do all kinds of stuff. That's right. So. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, what I learned um, recently is the sound walls in back of the mobile home parks on 101 and by Roca Drive in that neighborhood, Wilmington Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, those sound walls are actually holding water in their backyards. So some of the residents actually had water that came up to the steps before you went into the house, mm-hmm. the back of their house. So I hope that gets um, flagged and rectified before the 101 widening is complete, because I think that's a Caltrans responsibility. But I also think Sonoma County Transportation Authority has to work with Caltrans um, to make it so we don't have new areas in Petaluma that are flooding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There was, we talked about this last week, the fairgrounds. Um, is going to be having, uh, it's called the Democratic um, Process. It's called something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. And they're going to have a lottery to choose people yes, that's to, it. to be on this committee. And it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of controversy. Should you have people that only live in the Petaluma city limits, or should you expand it to include people in the rural area? Um, sometimes I have a tendency to think bringing in a few people from the rural area is important um, to get uh, a historical perspective, um, where they think farming is going, and what they would like to see at the fairgrounds. But what I would lo- not like to see are the people that have been posting on Facebook that have just been so vicious to our city manager, city council. Um, we don't need a process that has somebody in there for the purpose of blowing everything up. We really need to work together as a community. And, you know, there was talk about having somebody, a member of the youth. Um, I, You know, we have a youth commission. Maybe we should choose somebody from the youth commission to be part of it. Well, that would make a lot of sense since uh, 4-H'ers are kids and they're the ones that are showing their livestock at the fair. Well, they can just talk about their experience, but we also have to realize we have to respect our past history, but we have to realize it's 2022 and there will be changes on that site. And we need to really hear what what changes what changes could be there and how we can actually benefit farming because, you know, with farming today, the Corded Dairy recently um, sold off all their cows and they were a long, you know, time family in the dairy business. Um, and then also the Farm Bureau sued over the use of the word milk. And there are a lot of people that use plant-based products. But farming and plant-based products just go hand in hand. Mm. And, you know, and that's why I think you have to look into the future. And instead of fighting and saying, making jokes about 
plant-based products, which I read on Facebook from some people who mm-hmm. want to save the fair, um, they need to realize we all need to work together and realize that farming is not just about milk, um, beef. It's a bigger picture. And, and let's all work together to maybe have like a demonstration farm on the site of some sort that includes plant-based foods and nutrition. And so you can actually have, it's a 55-acre site. There's a lot that can be on that site. But I still would really love to see a city center um, with the city hall, police fire together, and also the Petaluma People Service Center. Well, there's that big issue of toxic waste. Um, Well, uh, yeah, the the ground is toxic waste out there from the the speedway. From the speedway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it it definitely is. And that is going to cost a lot in remediation. Yeah. And that's why we really need to see the bigger picture and understand the depths of it. It's just not the surface. Yep. And a lot of people want to save the speedway, and I get that. I mean, I, when I was a teenager, uh, I'm talking like 14, 15 years old, uh, the only real places that my mom allowed me to go out and date on a date with somebody was the fairgrounds uh, for either the fair or the the... Uh, races, the races, and so you know, I, 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 there's some nostalgia there for me, but not that deep. Well, there's nostalgia there for me, but it's not that deep either. I was never in 4-H, even though I was raised on a farm. Yeah. Um, but I also see a lot of potential um, for the site as a really large community space. And, and I think farming is part of that. But it's not yeah. just cows. We have to look at farming in the bigger picture. And, and I think there can be a lot of success with that. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Well, you know, when you were talking about when you were a kid, you know, things that you would do. We'd watch big-time wrestling. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And where, the, where, where was that? Where did they well, we watched that? it every Friday night with my grandfather. Oh, you mean on TV? <laughs> on TV. But oh, then okay. you could go up to the Santa Rosa fairgrounds, and they would have... Um, rustling there was I saw Pepper Gomez, you know, the cauliflower ears and Haystack Calhoun, all these you know, old names from the past. Oh the Sheik was there. Yeah. And we were just kids, but yeah. it was really exciting and fun to watch it. And then we, um, because we had a ranch and people came and purchased eggs, we became friends with a lot of those people. And there was this man I can't remember his name, but I can see him perfectly. And he had a Mercedes that was kind of a mustardy color, you know, yellowy mustard uh-huh. color. And he would take my brother and I down to um, San Francisco to watch big time wrestling at the Cow Palace. <laughs> I remember that. Remember that? I remember and that. It was, that was when it was WWF. That's yeah. right. And it was packed. You know, so, uh, so it's funny, you know, when you talk about where your mom would let you go on a date. Um, you know, the fairgrounds, it just kind of sparked yeah. the memories. Well, yeah. we, we weren't allowed to go anywhere where, there, you know, we, we could be alone together. So. Oh, yeah. So the, the Speedway was one place, uh, the pizza parlor, <laughs> Pinky's Pizza Parlor. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> no, the, yeah. the and we could, go to the, we could go to the drive-in movie, which was the Midway Drive-In there right. at the county line. Before it was We had to go with another, yeah, we had to go with another couple. Oh, my God. never just be the two of us. <laughs> yeah. I never had those kind of rules. Yeah. Uh, but we, the rule was we had to knock on the door when we got home, on their bedroom door, uh, and say we're home. No, no, my mom waited up. Uh, no, they were, yeah. 
And then when my brother got back from Vietnam, my mother, he would get home at, you know, 2, 3 in the morning, and my mom would get out of bed and make him breakfast. Oh, how nice. I know, yeah. Nice. I think we had a curfew of like 10 o'clock, 10.30, oh, yeah, well, 11 o'clock. I always uh, made my own curfews. Yeah. Yes. So. That, didn't, that didn't stop us from getting into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. They were just encouraging us to do all the things we weren't supposed to do. I think my mother was much smarter than my father with this yeah. <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah, my uh, my dad nailed our bedroom window shut. Oh my god! And all the uh, all the plants below our bedroom window were all dead. That was because they were trampled on from us sneaking out the window at night. Oh. <laughs> I never did that, boy. I knew better. Oh my gosh! I um yeah, I can't even begin to tell you the things we did when we snuck out at night. One of them was to go out to. Rancho Ulampali, where right. you know, the family lived and Grateful Dead hung out. That's and, right. Um, yeah, and so we'd go out there and uh, party. Well, the people that lived there, it was like the commune. Yeah, the family, um, yeah. Yeah, they, okay, they were called the family. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that. They would come to uh, the ranch, Cater Farms, and they would barter eggs. And so they would bring this bread that was, you know, stone ground. And, of course, you know, my father really liked Wonder Bread. Yeah. And so it was as heavy as could be, and they'd barter mm-hmm. eggs from us. And so it was fun. That's interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, and then it burnt down. Keep it local. Yeah, exactly. Keeping it local. Yeah. Oh, so let's see. Um, yeah, we have a lot going on. First, um, you know, at, at the beginning of the show, we talked about what were we talking about? Where I said, "Oh, yeah, that was pre-COVID." Isn't it amazing how we gauge everything now around the pandemic timeline? It's That's like, right. "Oh, yeah, that was before COVID." Yeah, that was the walk on McDowell. You're right. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And so, um, um, you know, here we are, almost two years later. Yeah. Um, and the, the article on the front of the Press Democrat this morning was right. that the indoor mask rules are not being lifted, and people are all up in arms about that. And, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time with that. I'm having a hard time with that looking at the numbers. And I had to leave the paper at home for the housemate, so I took a photo of the virus cases. Okay. Um, Pretty high. A week ago, today... There are 1,032 cases uh, that were reported. That were reported. That were reported, exactly. That doesn't even count the ones of people staying at home thinking that they have a head cold and and are still going to the supermarket and everything with their unconfirmed case of COVID. But, you know, the the numbers are there. Saturday it was 815, Sunday 605. Now, granted, it would started to go down a little bit Monday at 372, Tuesday at 200, but then Wednesday it creeped up to 365. Uh, yesterday it was 538, so it's, it, you know, it, we're not anywhere near a point where we should even consider not wearing masks inside, indoors. You know, I don't really have a problem um, with it. I feel more comfortable um, wearing the mask, especially if I'm in a grocery store. Um, and I feel uncomfortable if I go in a restaurant and I don't have a mask on. But I'm, I'm kind of getting over that hump of worrying a lot. Because yeah. people that I know, which I actually know quite a few people that have yeah, gotten COVID, they did not have any other reactions because they were all double. You know, they were at least double boosted, if not triple. And the ones that were tripled really had the least 
reactions, you know, mm-hmm. just from the people that I know. Yeah. And there are they are friends and neighbors and people I go to water aerobics with, you know, no people. Um, so I also wanted to bring up something about when when people start looking at getting their young children vaccinated, you really need to do your you know your homework. Um, there is a question. I have a cousin who's a emergency physician at um, Brigham and Women's um, Hospital in Boston, which is connected with Harvard. He has a daughter who's three and a half, and he really has reservations whether she should get the vaccination at this point because he doesn't feel like there is enough study for that particular age group. He is not as concerned with infants, but it's the age group maybe between three and four. And so when I hear heard that from Jeremy, it made me really stop and pause because he's been um, a lead in COVID, you know, um, speaking on it and educating people from the very beginning. Yeah. So it's something people really need to do some research on um, to make sure that it is safe for that particular age group because there is some yeah. doc- there's not enough documentation. Yeah. So just want to be careful with that. Yeah. Well, we should all be careful, but... You know, I, I read these things in the paper, and that prompted me. I don't know. Did you see my, my T-shirt that I, see. I, I picked out to put on after I saw that in the paper? I, I like that. My, my vaccinated. My shirt, for your listeners, my shirt has vaccinated in big capital letters across the chest. And then in small smaller cursive writing below, it says, because I'm not stupid. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's probably insulting to some of the people who don't want to be vaccinated. But, but hey. Hey. A message is a message, and when we when when y'all want to be talking about your amendments, uh, your rights, and right. uh, First Amendment rights, we have rights too. Exactly, and it's uh, not to get um, sick. I do want to make a quick announcement. Though. Yeah, on February twenty third, the um, Petaluma the Bike and Ped Commission will be discussing um, Rainier Avenue from McDowell to Snow and Mountain Parkway. They're looking at reducing that because there's a lot of speed. I was going to say the mini speedway. It's, it's a mini speedway, exactly. And so there's going to be a discussion on that project on the 30, 23rd, and I'm really hoping that it moves forward because it'll be a really good demonstration project um, for East Petaluma. Um, you know, you look at Caulfield, that would be a great road to reduce yeah. and to reduce the speeding. Um, and then you look in front of um, Casa Grande School, that's another opportunity. And Eli, Eli Road, there's an opportunity there to really reduce the speed, especially around Casa Grande. And so it's, the good news is that people are thinking about this, and they're not afraid of at least having the conversation. So that's all, that's all good news. So February 23rd, you can go on to the city's website. Um, and just ask about commissions and agendas, and it'll pop up, and then you will find that meeting, and then you can click on to the Zoom. Alrighty, yeah. Um, other things in news. Um, it was kind of sad, but happy for Chuck uh, to see him retiring. Chuck Fernandez, who's yeah. the uh, CEO of COTS, right, is going to retire next year. That's nice. Yeah, for good him. for him, but, you know, he's done so much for Cots while he's been there. I, it's going to be sad to see him go. Yeah, but, you know, change is always good. Change is always and good. And 
Um, and also in the paper, I was reading the obituary about Jean Beatty. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it was in the paper yesterday, and it was really sweet. And I did write his daughter a little note. Um, you know, Jean was just a good, he was a good soul. He was a good person. And Gene was with the city of Petaluma's police department for many years. And then he moved into City Hall and was an assistant city manager for a long time. But he was just a good person. He did a lot of things. He was on the board of directors here at Petaluma Community Access representing uh, the city of Petaluma for a number of years. I bet the meetings were funnier with him there. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, so should we tell our gene story? What happened? Which gene story? The gene story when um, we thought that he had passed away. Oh, go ahead. Okay, go so ahead. somebody had contacted me and said Gene Beatty had passed away, and they knew I had gone and seen Gene at the home that he was living in. And it was just a brief visit because um, it was just a brief visit. Yeah, it was a board and care home. It was a board and care home. Mm -hmm. And so um, after I went and saw Jean, um, a friend of mine texted me and said that Jean Beatty had died. And I texted his wife and just said, I was so sorry to hear it that I had just seen him. And, you know, he was just a good person and he's really going to be missed. And then his wife texted me back and said, well, Jean is alive. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a little mix-up in the change. Of, yeah. um, finding out how Dean was. Um, and the funny thing about that is, and this is the only funny thing about it is, Dean would have laughed so hard. Yeah. He would have saw, he would have seen the humor in this, um, even though it was, <laughs> there was a lot that wasn't humorous right. about it. He would have called you if he could have. <laughs> he would have called me if he could have. Yeah. I mean, he would have. And I could just see that smile on his face and the way he, that he would just do this chuckle. And, you know, he was just a good guy. But after my parents died, I found a piece of paper from the city of Petaluma to my father that Gene Beatty had signed. And there was an incident, and I believe it happened in Novato with um, some firefighters. And there were some military um, uh, memorabilia from the person who lived in the home was missing. And I will tell you, I don't really know exactly what happened, but Gene Beatty got on that because, boy, my dad got on Gene Beatty. Gene Beatty got on that. Those medals were returned. Good. And my dad got a letter from Gene thanking him. Good. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's a sad time because he really was he, was, he was in his 70s. He was young, as we well know. 70 is the new young for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, I hear you. Uh, and um, I'm very quickly approaching that. <laughs> I think this year will be the last of my 60s. Oh, really? It's bad when you have to stop and calculate oh. how old you are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're older than I am. <laughs> yeah, Just by a few years. <laughs> great. I oh, feel young. Yeah, yeah, I don't feel that old either. Oh, and speaking of that, I have a new exercise. Jerry got a speed bag, you know, one of those... Um, those balls that you hang off a piece of wood. Like a boxing bag. Like a boxing bag, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he got one for the holidays. So he put it in the garage. So I decided I'm going to start, see if I can use this thing. The other day, I actually got up to five minutes. Now, there was pauses in between. I had no idea that I had this 
you have these huge muscles in your back, these latissimus dorsi, and those muscles were so painful, I thought I couldn't breathe one day. <laughs> so I took one day off, went back to the speed bag, and then I did a little bit this morning again, and so, and, and the, you know, discomfort in my back is going away because my muscles are saying, oh, okay, well, this seems a little bit normal now. So it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Any new exercise, you're supposed to start off slow. Well, exercise in general, I start off slow. <laughs> so, but I have to say, I'm trying to get rid of my flubby bubby arms as my granddaughters would laugh at me and say, oh, you're, it's flubby bubby. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I decided, well, I'm going to show them one of these days. I'm going to have a six pack and I'm going to have some deltoid muscles and, uh, and they're going to see that I'm not flubby bubby anymore. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, Another thing that's important, Cindy, is the um, redistricting map meeting last week. Yep. And it was very interesting. There was about 20 maps submitted by the public, and then the consultant had three maps that they had drawn. And I, I have to say, the process got a little wonky. It would have been great if um, the council would have had an opportunity to see all of the 20 drafts plus the consultants' drafts before the meeting, and even the public before the meeting. But it was really hard to get into the um, the app. Yeah, I started to watch that meeting, but I had to leave. Did they put all all 20 of those maps up for people to see, or you could get onto the agenda and then go through the agenda and oh, see okay. all the all of those maps. But I mean, what I would have done is probably looked at the maps and realized which ones were absolutely out. And then I take the ones that had potential and I would have grouped those together. And then you group the three together, but the, um, you had kind of choices at A, B, and C, and then the community maps. And I have to say, A was actually a pretty decent map. And I was pretty impressed with that. Um, It was, somewhat close to our map in certain ways, but very, very different. Mm-hmm. But the concept was the same, and a lot of the thought process was. So I got an email yesterday from somebody who suggested that we uh, make this a topic uh, on somebody's show. They didn't specifically say they wanted our show to cover it, but um, I-, I think it's a good idea. And, and, I th- and we've been talking about this, recruiting some, some folks to some subject matter experts to come on and, and have a talk about this. And um, and it would be also, I think, an opportunity for people to call in and voice their opinions. And just ask questions, yeah. too. Yeah, and you know, and that's the same thing with the general plan committee. Yeah. Um, that um, I really do, I would like to see some from somebody from the city and all of us, so the consulting firm, yeah. to be on this show so we can really explain yeah. what is a general plan process. Yeah. And, and I think the same with district yeah. elections. So. And inviting people to call in like we did at the beginning of the show today. The phone number here is 707-981-7577 if you want to call in and give us your two cents about anything or just to say hi. That would be kind of fun. It would be kind of cool if they would just yeah. call this to see if it works. Yeah, yeah. The number again, 707-981-7577. Give us a call. And, and, and Sunday is Super Bowl. Oh. 
Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of disappointed the people. Big, the biggest domestic violence day of the year. Uh, did you hear that somebody is in a coma from being hit? Mm-hmm. Um, spectator, and I'm not sure the details, but it reminds me of what happened uh, quite a few years ago, and I can't think of the man's name. I can see him. And he had a lot of brain damage. I just don't understand why people are so violent. Uh, yeah, well, you know, a lot of it has to do with alcohol. Well, it's it's true. Yeah, you know, it's uh, <laughs> they should just you know, marijuana, just smoke, mellow out a little <laughs> bit. You know, instead of drinking, would be a lot safer. Yeah, in my I, I've really cut down on drinking. I I had I did have a an old fashioned last night. Yeah, just one. Uh, you deserve it, but then you know. Um, it's like you said, there's other ways to decompress, and uh, I spent $180 at the dispensary on Thursday. Oh, wow. No, Wednesday. Wednesday, <laughs> 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 going into a candy store. Oh, I, I'm too cheap. It drives me nuts. Yeah, it's just too expensive, but well, I admire you. I think $37 of that was taxed, but... Um, I know it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, my friend actually just purchased a Levo machine. It's a uh, in- infuser. Yeah. Yeah, where you put the the flower in there and uh, it extracts the uh, the THC and the the cannabinoids and comes out in a in a liquid. And you can make your own gummies and you can. You can do a lot of stuff with right. it. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. She said it came with a little recipe book. Uh-huh. I think I told you once when my daughter made uh, Jello, and <laughs> so, she, so my daughter makes Jello, and I went into the refrigerator and it wasn't gelling right, and I went and tasted it and I said, "Oh my God, this is horrible! What would you do? This is, this is the worst Jello I've ever tasted in my life." Well, it might have been about two in the morning. We get a call from the police, and the kids were having a party at a hotel. And the Jello <laughs> was not Jello; oh, it was yeah. Jello pops. <laughs> so Jerry had to get up and go down, and the police officer was very nice, and he just said, "You know, you should tell them they do not want to put the Jello pops in the bathtub." <laughs> so, Why would they put them in the bathtub? I have no idea. I I have no idea, oh, but oh, yeah. the officer was very nice when Jerry got down there. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's, uh, and today, my, that same daughter happens to be babysitting Coco. Okay. Yeah, so Olivia came over to pick up Coco, and I got Coco in the car. She was a little leery about getting in because it wasn't, you know, our car. Just so the listeners know, that's Janice's yeah, Coco's, dog. Coco's my, Coco the Wonder Dog is my dog. Yeah. And so I'm watching Coco drive away, and she's just staring at me. And, like, I was the evil person, like, yeah. what are you doing? And yeah, yeah, I have a Velcro dog also. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he'll be when I pull up into the driveway. He'll be sitting right there at the gate waiting for me. Yep. Well, she'll be waiting for me. Actually, I don't know if she'll want to come home because she's having a play date with a puppy. Oh, yeah. So my, my daughter got a puppy. Oh, my daughter calls me yesterday and says, "Can you babysit um, her friend's sister's bait dog?" Um, this morning for an hour so she could go to the gym. Well, her friend's sister had a baby, and she just needed a break from the dog. And so luckily enough, you know, my daughter's son was home, and he could take care of um, the puppy. But then Coco went for a play date. Yeah, nice. Get the puppy. 
But uh, I go to, you know, I could do water aerobics at the Kavanaugh Center, and it, that is actually through the city of Petaluma. And so if people are interested in water aerobics, they have great classes there. And when I go to my class, um, Coco goes with me, and I take a towel and I put it down. She sits on the, the towel and then lays down and relaxes. She doesn't, you know, get up and move. But the second she can't see me in the water, she sits up and then she starts moving her head side to side to see if she can look around the, the people that are blocking me. Yeah. So she can see where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. So she's a lover. Yeah. My dogs are like that too. I, I'll take them with me and um, I've converted the back seat in my car so that it's, it's like a flat storage area. And so they can walk around in, in the back, and um, I'll leave them there briefly, not during hot weather, of course, people. Uh, I'll leave them in the back seat while I run into the post office or wherever, and uh, they hear me push the button to unlock the, the car door, and boom, their heads are up there looking around. They know I'm coming. So it's funny how they these signals that they get. Exactly. And, and it triggers the, the reaction in them. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, every time the doorbell rings on the TV, Coco starts barking and goes <laughs> to the front door. <laughs> or if she sees a dog on the TV. Yeah. So uh, um, there was a, another article in the paper today, <coughs> or yesterday's Argus, Progressives, Wine Country, VIPs, Fundraising, Supervisor Race. And as people know, we had Blake Cooper on who is running against David Rabbit for supervisor. Mm-hmm. And it was a good article. <clears throat> and I just urge people to know before you vote. Um, I am personally a supporter of Blake's. I've known him for a long time. He's young. He's very smart. He knows the issues. And the beauty of that is if he becomes supervisor, he will have, um, you know, a heads up. It's not like mm-hmm. a learning yeah. um, curve. And so it's going to be an interesting race. And then, you know, this, the sheriff's race is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we can actually have the candidates on the show. Of course. And um, um, I think we already have. We have um, candidate for sheriff Kevin Burke scheduled for February 18th. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, you know, if, if a candidate wants to come and appear on our show as a guest, that, that, that's fine. All you have to do is ask us, yep. and we're happy to. We're not we're not leaning one way or the other. Uh, so, so far, um, Blake has been the only one that's shown any interest, uh, and also, um, who did I just say? Kevin. Kevin Burke has shown interest. So, well, yeah. I'm hoping other candidates actually do call in. Yeah, I think it'll be... Um, it's a benefit for everybody to know who the candidates are exactly. and what they have to say. Exactly. So, exactly. Like that. And especially since we're trying to push now callers to call in, it would be a great opportunity for candidates that's to answer to constituents. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now, you know, these are really important jobs. And then um, Officer Blout was found not guilty of um, Ward's death. Manslaughter, I think it was. And he wasn't convicted. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. acquitted. He was acquitted. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when you read the article. I mean, it, it's easy to understand why he was acquitted. Um, but my, my feeling is, is that um, David Ward probably died from force. 
and being tased. Mm-hmm. And yes, he was um, on methamphetamines. Yes, he's had a past with drugs, but it doesn't mean that he was a bad person and needed to die that day. So, yeah, uh, it's very, very, it's unfortunate all the way around. And that's why when we're talking about the sheriff, you know, we really want to know how a sheriff would handle something like that and what they're going to make changes um, to the departments. Yeah. Okay. Um, another thing that came up here recently is that the Petaluma Downtown Association has announced that they will be holding the Butter and Egg Days Parade in April. And what are you thinking about that? Um, 3,000 people in the streets, shoulder to shoulder. I think it's good. Um I think they really need to make sure that people do have masks on, and I don't know how you're going to really mandate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I it could be a spreader; it might maybe. not. Um, but sometimes I think maybe this is a good opportunity to have an event, and you will see afterwards if uh, there's a spike in COVID. It'll be it'll give a clear yeah. indication. Yeah, um, but I'm not so sure. Um, I think I think it's really important that the public have events. Yeah, I think people are ready to get out of their homes. I just, you know, as we talked about masks, and I don't have a problem getting out of my home and wearing a mask. Um, if I'm taking a hike, I don't have to wear a mask. And I think it's good to start getting a little bit back to some normalcy. Yeah, and you know, maybe this is a way to do it. Well, people have a choice to attend or not. Personally, I would not, yeah. even with a mask on. It just, it's its too much of a risk for me. I have somebody living in my home with me that is in end-stage disease, and um, if I brought that home, I would feel really bad. Right. Because I don't think this person would be able to survive a case of COVID. Right. And um, but on the good news is that PCA will probably be videotaping as we do every year. I'm just going to ask that. And we will broadcast it on TV. It won't be live. Um, I, I don't think we could do live. Maybe that's something that we need to research. I'll have to bring that up to the executive director and see if we can yeah, do a live. Because I think that used to be live in the past. Is that? No, we've no, never, never been live. live. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, there's connectivity issues uh, around that. And I don't know if we have progressed enough um, with technology to be able to do that or not. I mean, I'm sure it's doable. Whether we, PCA, can do that uh, remains to be seen. So, anyway... Um, people still like to see the parade, even if it's after, especially if your yeah. kids are in it. And so there's still a lot of opportunity um, to get the show the parade. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. What else do we have? Let's see. <coughs> there's oh, there a, a Taco Bell. You know, it's really funny. I was looking at something on Facebook the other day, and kids were, you know, an old picture of kids sitting around Taco Bell. Well, when Taco Bell opened, I was at Kenilworth Junior High, and it was, you know, a big thing that you wanted to leave campus to go to Taco Bell to get lunch. Yeah. So it was kind of like a hangout area. Yeah. You know, so, so, 
old nostalgia is always. I don't, think, I don't think we had a Taco Bell in Novato. I can't remember. Yeah, you know what? I think we did. McDonald's and Taco Bell. Yeah. And uh, Carousel Hamburgers. Do you remember Carousel Hamburgers on old, the original Highway 101? Yeah. It was not too far from Grant Avenue. Okay. Grant and Highway 101. I don't remember it, but I remember Joe's going to Crossroad was there on 101. There was, yeah. Yeah, I was just actually thinking about... Um, Recently, just about driving through Nevada, but also when you were in Richmond before the freeway was. Oh, completed, yeah. You drove through oh, yeah. Richmond. Right. Yeah. Right. And through the wetlands. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. God, we're old. Um, actually, my aunt and uncle lived in the East Bay, and there was no San Rafael uh, Richmond Bridge yet. Oh. And they had to take the ferry from Richmond yeah. over to San Rafael to come yeah. and visit us in the 50s. Yeah. And my bro- my uncle helped build the Richmond Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uncle Art. And my mom prides herself with being able to say that she walked across the Golden Gate Bridge on the first day it oh, opened really? in 1937, was it? Was it 37? Yeah, I think she said she was five years old, so that would be 37. Wow. 1937. Nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia. Uh-huh. How many... How many generations are you in in the North Bay area? Um, third. You're the third. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm sixth. Yeah. Oh wow. No, my um, the Fishman side came in nineteen, maybe nineteen eighteen. Okay. And or seventeen eighteen, right around there, and they um, came from Poland, Russia, and they ended up in Minneapolis, and then from Minneapolis. The Fishmans and the Barless family came to Petaluma. Hmm. Yeah, and then on the Cater side, my grandparents, they actually met. You know, I, I'm assuming they both came through Ellis Island, and they met maybe in Boston or New York. I'm not really sure. Then I know that they lived in Boston, had a child, David, and they had um, a dry goods store with um, my grandmother's sister and her husband, and then the caters um, came to Petaluma in 1913. So, but, you know, I never feel like we're part of the old guard. Um, but it's interesting, you know, to have a history like that. Been in the community for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Well, my, um, my story is... Um, I don't remember what year it was, but uh, let me see. It was 1920. Uh, Sheriff James Albert Petrie was gunned down. Remember the there were some uh, robbers who committed a crime over in San Francisco and came up this way and ended up in Sonoma County and... Um, uh, Sheriff Petrie was shot, and uh, members of the community in the Sebastopol area all got together and, as vigilantes, went out and found these uh, criminals and hung them. And it was the last hanging in Sonoma County. Really? Know? Yeah. I did not know that no. story. My mother is a Petrie, so... Oh, really? Yes, he, he's a, a distant cousin of mine. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, um... 
Well, it wasn't exciting that he got gunned down. But, well, I don't um, know. It's exciting to have that as part of your history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for, that's not the right word. A lot of times, if you went to some of these old roadhouse bars in Sonoma County, you would see the picture of of the men hanging from the tree in Sebastopol. It was like a, oh my God. a photo that that the these old roadhouses like to display. I don't know why. Kind of creepy, but yeah. Well, I always go back to when Saul Nitzberg was tarred and feathered, and the sheriffs knew about it. And that was in the 1940s. Some things never change. Yeah, exactly. So, um, another thing about the Spark Train. Funding falls through for the second Smart Station. Yeah. And, you know, there is no excuse for Petaluma to not have that funding for that second Smart Station. And that goes back to the supervisors. And it's really up to our supervisor to work, because he is on the smart board, to work for the city of Petaluma and where the city wants to have a smart station. And we just, this is why representation is so important. Yep. And so... You know, while you were saying that, I just kept thinking about Blake Cooper. Yeah, exactly. You know, and what, what would Blake do about this? And I just feel as though he would address it. And he would at least have the conversation about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times David gets very defensive. Yeah. Um, and so that's one reason why I'm kind of looking for some change. Yeah. You know, that somebody's going to act. You know, it's interesting. When you're a supervisor, you, um, you have, it's, it's the second district that is represented for our community, which includes part of Rona Park, part of Katati, um, Petaluma, and a, a large rural area. And it's just important that a supervisor not be asked to do something, but actually comes to you and says, hey, how can we work together to make this smart station happen? Yeah. And that's just not happening. And I'm really concerned about the funding uh, for SMART and the long-term funding. And I'm not sure if, if SMART is going to be successful, and I really hope it does, because... We need other forms of transportation for commuters, mm-hmm. and let's just hope that SMART doesn't doesn't fold. Well, again, we're going to say the word COVID. COVID is a, a big reason why the ridership is down, and well, that really hurt the organization. It really hurt it, and then uh, um, the tax measure that did not. Uh, pass. Right. And it wasn't a new tax, it was just extending the existing tax. Right. So uh, we have a long ways to go, but it's really important for people to really stay engaged with this. And, and you know, and that goes back to the district elections. The smart station on the east side, um, the one map did not include the that location with district, whatever district it was, I'll call it district one. Okay. Um, and it seemed like it was really an interconnectivity that you was an important connection because the mobile home parks are across the street on McDowell from this site. And there's a lot of impacts that will happen when it is developed. And you would not really want to put it into a district that really, that will not feel the same impacts. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, you know, back to that meeting, a lot of people from the mobile home parks um, spoke out. And safety was a big thing. And, you know, there were people from the east and both east and west side. Yeah. And, and safety always seems to be the biggest 
um, concern for people. We didn't mention that yet, the uh, follow-up to the uh, Youngstown Mobile Home Park. We didn't. Let's talk about that. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Victory for the residents of the park. They are not going to be pressed into um, (coughs) paying that rent increase. Two hundred and what eighty nine hundred and eighty six dollars yeah. a month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know, I think this really gives an opportunity um, for the city council to open up the existing ordinance mm-hmm. and make changes um, to the ordinance. So, so residents, low income residents, ha- don't have to stress every year that the owners of the mobile home park are going to go ahead and take them to court. Yeah, and you know, and that is what happens. And the other thing about this, the mobile home park um, ordinance, you had an ordinance because there were X amount of mobile homes that were low income. But when some, when that mobile home park owner, not park owner, but the resident of the mobile home dies, if their family decides they're going to sell it, then the city has lost a low income house. So it goes back to just market rate. Right. And, you know, I had an example of um, friends of mine um, that lived in what was Sandalwood at the time, Mm -hmm. Candlewood and then Sandalwood and now Cottages. Um, What they did is when they got old, they made sure that their son would inherit the mobile home, and he was low income. And so he was able to move in and take over the parents' um, mobile home and receive the low income. designation. And so my question is, because this was done like, I want to say in 1994, 95, or 96, I'm not exactly sure when the ordinance was, what the date the ordinance was approved um, by the city council, but how many mobile homes do we have at that time that were under rent control, and how many do we have now? And that's the problem, is that you have a dwindling amount of low income. And the fact that it's a senior park, which is 55 (laughs) and over means the likelihood of vacancies occurring between the time that ordinance was put into place and now, I'm sure a lot of those people have passed. It could be pretty pretty high. Yeah. But, I mean, the good thing is I saw people, we saw people on that Zoom, like Bill Donahue, who yeah. was... It at, was nice to see it him. It was good to see him. And, and I, have to, I, I have to say I'm embarrassed, but I really wasn't sure if he was alive or not. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know either, but I, yeah. he's a fighter. He's a fighter, and I, I knew a lot of people from that park that um, yeah. fought for this. Yeah. And some are gone, some are not. Yeah. 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 So, but that was good news. That good. was great news for, yeah. the, um, for the residents. I know that they're really excited. I did stop by there the other day, and I stopped at Mary's house just to let her know, you know, we congratulated her on this, but the next step is really opening yeah. up the ordinance. Mm-hmm. So we can protect people for longer periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I already mentioned that Kevin Burke, who's a candidate for sheriff, Sonoma County Sheriff, will be on the show February 18th. But I also wanted to mention <clears throat> on March 4th, we're going to have Lisa Moore back. It's been a couple of years since she was here. But Lisa Moore um, is a representative for Recology. Uh, and she is going to come on and talk about uh, SB 1383, State Bill 1383, which uh, has 
change the rules around what we put in our garbage cans. And so Lisa's going to come on and tell us what goes where and what doesn't go where. I'm looking forward to that conversation yeah. because a lot of people are confused. Yeah, It has to do with composting. It has to do with composting. Yeah. And what you need to do is you take all of your, not just the vegetables, you know, the excess mm -hmm. for the recycling bin, but you put all your meat, bones. Meat, you know. bones, paper towels, yeah. tissue, tissues. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of putting Pizza that boxes. In, instead of in your recycling, yep, you're putting it now in the compost. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big change, and I have to say, I don't know a lot about it, but I think it's a good change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and I have both heard Lisa's presentation. I've heard it a few times um, here and uh, other places, but she really does a very good job of explaining and making it easy to understand. So uh, I'm looking forward to having her here. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I am too. She's a good person, and her husband was on the Katani City Council, and her mother was local and very active in politics yeah. and passed away a year ago or two years ago already. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Lisa cared for her mom. So she's a great lady. Another good thing, Cindy, is um, getting to know the city's climate action manager. So there, the city actually has hired somebody to be uh, the climate action manager. And I think that is very exciting, especially um, with the Cool City Challenge um, coming along. So, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, we have lots of things uh, we can bring up and, and make a, a full hour out of going forward, and we will. And we're in the process of scheduling uh, guests at this time. So if any of you out there have somebody in mind or a particular topic that you want discussed, please send us an email at insidepetaluma at gmail.com. And um, we're almost done. Really? We have like a minute and a half. Oh, wow. I want to give a, a shout out to Wendy Brayton for her beautiful paintings that she does. And she came to Petaluma and did some in downtown. Oh, we saw her on last Sunday painting on a railroad track exactly. by the, the, the uh, heat silo. Yeah. Well, I have a picture of her when she was little and she lived up in Oregon with her dad and mom and they had a candle factory along with Neil Fishman. And my cousin Andy and I drove um, through, um, oh God, what town was it in Oregon? Um, and well, we drove through, stopped and visited, and I have pictures of when we went to the photo. Yeah, it's good memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was good. So, okay. Fast show today. Yeah. 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 We uh, never run out of things to talk about, even when we don't have a guest. And, uh, and you and I are like that in real life. It's like there's never a pause in our conversation. So, there is not. Yeah. So, it's, a, it's great to, um, to work with you, Cindy. Okay. It's fun. <laughs> okay, people, you've been listening to Inside Petaluma here on Petaluma's homegrown radio station, KPCA 103.3 FM, and streaming live at kpca.fm. Please visit our website at insidepetaluma.com and uh, pick up any of our past shows. We've got about three years worth of shows on there now. Uh, so... You can pick and choose. You can either download the file or do a podcast. But just uh, check it out. 
Oh, on our Facebook page, KPCA Inside Petaluma. Go give us a like. And we are out of here. We'll see you next Friday, 11 o'clock. We're here every Friday, 11 to noon. Right, Janet? Absolutely. I got it right. Absolutely. And who is our guest next week? Um, I don't have one yet. Oh, well.